Hey, how many of you noticed that Teresa Lee McCaskill is back with us this weekend? Isn't it great to see her back? We have missed her so much. She's in um, Scotland working on her doctorate, and, uh, uh, but she still um, collaborates with us every week in our worship set. So it's just so good to see you back here. Hey, you showed up for worship the weekend after Thanksgiving. Good for you. Fight through the tryptophan. All right? You can do it. Focus. You know? Remember to set your scales back 10 pounds this weekend. But it's also the first week of Advent. And as you heard from our Arab brothers and sisters, Advent means coming. The coming of the Lord. Watch this. And so we retell the Christmas story not just to remember what happened to particular people 2,000 years ago, but how that same story is supposed to unfold in us today. Christ still wants to come into the world through our lives. And so I want to start off today with kind of an admonition to say to us some of the best things in life will only come at the end of a very long and difficult journey. You know, it's true that the best things in life are free, but it's not true that the best things in life are quick. There is no shortcut to finding out who God really is in your life. There's no shortcut to deep relationships. There's no shortcut to understanding why you were made like you were and what God has left to do in all of our lives together. That requires a journey. That requires a journey. There's no shortcut in character. There's no shortcut in being dependable and unwavering in your faith. That requires a long, sustained journey together. And so, what would God have us remember today? One thing, be patient. Here's, this is gonna sound weird, but I, I wanna admonish us all and at the same time admonish myself. Be patient with God. God has his own timing. I was just talking with a lady in the hallway. And he, she said, I prayed for this one thing for 25 years. She said, I, 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 I thought several times, I can let this go. And then I'd say to the Lord, if, unless you release me, I'm going to let it go. 25 years. She said, 25 years, just recently, God fully answered that prayer. And all heaven opened up for me. If he had done it when I began praying, this just wouldn't look the same. But God was faithful. 25 years. Be patient with God. This next admonition is a little annoying. Be patient with each other. You know, I think part of the payback for our sin is he kind of put some very irritating people in our lives. Just to, just to kind of gig us, you know? I, I think 
And so when I say to you, be patient with each other, I really mean it. You gotta cut people some slack, you know? You gotta cut people some slack. Just let it go. Be patient. Now, this third one is almost impossible. But I challenge you, you by faith can do this. Be patient with yourself. Stop beating yourself up. Quit it. What of there is no condemnation in Christ don't you get? What, it, what about the grace of God? Is that just really for everybody else and it doesn't include you? It's not helpful to continue to beat yourself up. Be patient with yourself. Don't ever lose sight of the goal. Keep your eye on the prize. But you know, be patient. Not everybody goes straight there. Be patient with yourself. I wanna show you something today out of scripture that it took me a while to see simply because I'm a driven man. It's just what I do. Patience is not my strong suit. And so therefore, this sermon is for me. If you get anything out of it, great. But this is for me, all right? In the original Christmas story, there were magi that came from the east. It says that in Matthew chapter two, verses one and two. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of, let me stop right there. Now after, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. How long after? It could have been up to two years after. Because what did Herod do? He killed all the male children two years and younger. So it could have been two years after. You, you don't have to wipe them out from your crash, from your little nativity scene. It's okay that they're there. But they came into a house, not into a manger. Read the scripture. So after... Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who had been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And then in verse nine it says, after hearing the king, they went their way and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the Christ child was. Now, what did I just say? First of all, for those of you who are interested in the science of this thing, which the Magi would have been. The Magi were the scientists of the day. The Magi weren't believers in the, Israeli, in the, in the, in the God of Israel. They, you know, they were, they were um, um, scientists, they were physicians, they were uh, statesmen, um, um, they, they, they were astronomers and astrologers. That's why they noticed the star. And so therefore, does God always use somebody who's a believer in Christ in order to guide you? No. God can use anybody. The words out of anybody's mouth to remind you of him and to tell you essentially where to find him. And so here come the Magi. And by the way, there's not just three of them, there's a whole caravan. Three of them would have been picked off immediately. Okay, it's rough country over there. There was a whole, there was a whole caravan. 
And so, and, and so they're coming, but they're following what? A star that moves. Now watch, is that just their imagination? You know how it is when you look at the moon, it looks like it's moving along with you, you know? Is that just their imagination? No. There's a, there's a, a um, an article in this, uh, thanks to Dr. Mark Weatherly for sending me this link, um, article in this month's uh, Christianity Today um, um, that was written by um, Colin Nickel, who did some research with some scientists on this and went back into the background. And he said, and, and he wrote a book called The Great Christ Comet, The Revelation of the True Star of Bethlehem. Now watch. In order for a star to move, it's not a star. It has to be within this solar system. And whether it's a supernova or a comet, they can last for, for a year and beyond. And they literally move in the sky. They are referenced by non-gospel writers. They were referenced by, around this time, by Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, by Cassius Dio, who was a Roman historian, referenced that, that comet or that moving star around this time. And so, those of you who love the science, you can look into this. But the point that I wanna make is that they were willing to go on a journey together that was not easy, it was not familiar for two years in order to find God. How long are you willing? In the other part of the travel of the story, everybody's traveling. It says in Luke chapter two, verses one, and then in four and five. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. Guess who's traveling? Lots of folks. Verses four and five says this, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth through Judea, through the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Well, you say, how far was that? Well, from, and you can measure it, from um, Nazareth to Bethlehem, 70 miles. You think, well, that's not very far. Seriously? Nine months pregnant on a donkey? That's a long trip. That's a long trip. So here's the key. Here's where, here's where I want to start out. God will put us on a long journey together. We need those who really want to see God cannot reduce their journey to something that is convenient and near and familiar cannot reduce it to their own crowd. The Magi didn't belong to their own crowd. You cannot, re you cannot get it. I heard a story once, I love this story, uh, about three kids in a Christmas play. I love Christmas play stories, little, little, little. And, 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 and there's just three little bitty boys in there playing the wise men. And, and they got their little fake beards on and the, you know, they memorized, they just gave, each gave them just very short lines so they wouldn't blow it. And so the first one steps up and he says, here's some gold. Second one steps up and says, here's myrrh. He didn't know what myrrh was, but he memorized his line. Third one steps up and says, Frank sent this. <laughs> I 
He had no idea what frankincense was, but Frank sent this, made sense to him. We do that very same thing. We reduce the gospel to what we can understand. Problem is, it's not accurate. It's not real. Frank didn't send that. Don't you know a lot of people says, this is what I think about God. I don't care what you think about God. Seriously. This is what I think. This is what God would say to all. No, no, stop. Stop. It's not that easy. It takes a while to know God. Because some of him is not near. Not convenient. Not familiar. He's bigger than that. What is there about our God that uses distance and time as elements more important to our story than destination? Think about that just for a minute. I'm going to tell you about a prophecy in, in numbers. And, and, and here we go, God just working outside the box again. Because this prophecy comes 1,500 years before Christ was actually born. Not only that, but it comes from Balaam. Remember who Balaam is? Balaam is the one with the talking donkey. You know, now this, at this point, I've really got to resist jokes about God talking out of jackasses during a political season. I really have to, I really, give me some credit here, all right? But you remember the story of Balaam? Balaam was hired by someone who hated Israel to come and curse Israel. And at first he resisted, but they kept offering more money. And so he came down in order to curse Israel because he was getting paid for it. And he was a prophet. And the king thought that they could beat Israel militarily if Israel got a curse on it. So here comes Balaam riding a donkey, you know? But the donkey sees an angel, stops. Balaam doesn't see the angel. So Balaam's trying to get the donkey to go around the angel. Donkey's hearing nothing of it. Finally, the donkey speaks to him. I don't know how this happened. I don't know if the donkey spoke in words or some of you own pets. And you know what they're thinking. You do. You look at your dog, go, I know what you're thinking. And he probably is. You know, but you can almost hear it in words. So I don't know if that was the phenomenon. I, I don't know. All I know is that Balaam finally came to the point where he blessed Israel. And he put forth this prophecy 1,500 years before Jesus was ever born. And this is the prophecy. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. I see him. But not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel. That was part of his blessing instead of his curse to Israel. What was God doing? He was using people from wherever they were, whether they were believers or not, to point the whole world toward his son. 
Why is God in some respects, why is what God wants for us in some respects not here and not now? Not near and not now. Why? Because there's something more important he wants to build in us and our relationships that is not tied up with our destiny. Let me just, let me just say, there's always a temptation to settle for half of what God has for us. And then you don't get the fullness. Remember Jesus' temptation in the, in the desert? Matthew chapter four, Luke chapter four. Remember he went out there and the devil tempted him. And what did the devil say to him? The devil knew that he wanted Jesus wanted the world to follow him. He was the savior of the world. The devil knew that. And so what did he say? He said, I want you to do these good things. They're shortcuts. People will, people will follow you if you do this. Turn the stones into bread. Go ahead. They're round. You ever been in the desert in the, over there? They're round. They look like loaves of bread. Turn the stones into bread. You're hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. Turn the stones into bread. And Jesus said, no. The next temptation was, he took him, said, go up on the temple. Just, just showed him the top of it. Just jump off. Now, in this week's devotions, I go, I go through a, a certain devotional uh, thing every day. And in this week's devotions, I went through, uh, I, I was at Psalm 91, 11 and 12. And that's the scripture the devil is quoting. By the way, just because somebody can quote scripture, doesn't mean they have a clue what it means. Don't just listen to anybody who can quote scripture. You gotta know the Lord before you can accurately quote the scripture. And so he quotes scripture, the devil quotes scripture. And the angels will have charge over you and bury you up that you not strike your foot against a stone. That's in Psalm 91, 11 and 12. Jesus said, no. He said, well then, i tell you what, I'll take you to the mountain, I'll show you all the kingdoms of the world. And I'll give them to you if you just fall down and worship me. Now were the kingdoms really the devil's? No, the devil's a liar. But the devil had a lot of influence. And he could get him part way there. This is what Jesus knew. Those things that come easily can go easily. Those things that come as a gift can be taken away unless they come as a gift of God in the right timing. We're all tempted, aren't we? Just to settle. You know, just, just for part of what God would have for us. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stay with us through the whole journey, commit yourself. The reason we did the tipping point, and you'll hear about that in a, in a week or so, the, but the reason we did it is because we wanted everybody all in. You can't get to your destination by half measures. Think of that mathematically. If I go from here to the wall, if I go, keep going halfway to the wall, just go halfway to the wall each time. You know when I'll get to the wall? Never. Never, because I'm only going halfway every time. 
Don't ever think you can get to your destination by half measures. But know this about God. He wants something for you. That when you do get to your destination, you will have what you need to thrive in that destination. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think it took the children of Israel 40 years of wandering in the wilderness to go from Egypt to the promised land, to Israel? Have you all been over there? It doesn't take 40 years to walk. It doesn't take 40 years to walk. The reason was, first of all, there was some practical. He had, he had to let a, 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 a generation of headwaggers go. You know what headwaggers are? This is terrible. This will never work. You know, there had to be a whole generation of, you know, when Jesus is on the cross in Mark, it says that he was counted among the transgressors, transgressor, transgressors, tryptophan. And, and <clears throat> I'm working through it, though. And, and there were people surrounding, wagging their heads. If you go on a long enough journey, you're going to lose the headwaggers. Sooner or later, they'll wag themselves right off. But here's the other thing that he was doing. He was forming the kind of community needed. He was blessing them with a kind of community that not only remembered his faithfulness along the way. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 7. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all that you have done. He has known your wanderings through this great wilderness. Some of you feel, man, I'm wandering in the middle of the wilderness right now. I'm not sure I'm making any progress whatsoever. I'm not sure my life even counts for anything. He has known your wanderings through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have not lacked a thing. He wants you to remember his faithfulness. But he also wants to give you the kind of community by which you can fulfill your purpose according to your abilities. One of my favorite authors is um, David Brooks. He's just a very smart man. I've met him a few times, very intelligent man. He wrote a column this week in the New York Times about communities of character. He cited a study done by the Harvard um, Graduate School of Education, a survey taken of 10,000 middle schoolers and high schoolers in which they were asked, do you think your parents are more concerned with your personal achievement or that you are a kind person? You will not be surprised to know that 80% of those students said, my parents care more about my personal achievement than, than I, if I'm a kind person. But then he proceeds to say, the two really do go together. The two really do go. He cited several schools. One of the schools is a leadership school in Brooklyn, New York. The student body of this school is 300 students, now watch, that speak among them 22 different languages, 
85% of them are on free or reduced lunches. It's a very poor community made up of very poor families. Having said that, their graduation rate last year is an unbelievable 89%, all of which, each of which went on to college. Not one of them did not go on to college. How in the world did they get this kind of remarkable result? When you first go there as a freshman, you're put into a group, 12 to 15, with a mentor. And all through your high school years, You've got people working for you. You're serving them. You're loving them. You're, you're, you're encouraging them. They're encouraging you. And when you've got problems, when you've got problems with your family, and believe me, there were a lot of problems with the families. When you've got problems with love, there's always problems with love. When you've got problems with academic challenges, you've got a team around you. Why 40 years in the desert? God was building the community needed to succeed in their destiny. That's what I want for all of us. For each of us to have that team, that supportive community that will pull out of us the gifts that God put us into us for the whole world. The kingdom of God is not a place you go. Jesus said this. In Luke chapter 17, verse 21. Nor will they say, look, here it is. Or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. What's the most important thing about a journey? Each other. It's not the level of our achievement. It's not how much influence we have. It's the relationships. If we worship a God of love, you remember that old African proverb? If you want to go someplace quick, go alone. If you want to go someplace far, go together. Two weeks ago, or November 11th, whenever that was, there was a national publication that came out that mentioned Northland. This publication is a secular publication and they listed the 50 most influential churches in the nation. Northland was a part of that. Now, I'm glad to know we have some impact. But I'd like to know how they gauged power, how they gauged influence. Because, you know, I think God is more interested in how we love. I'd like to see a listing of churches according to how much compassion they have. I'd like to see a listing of churches according to how much everybody feels like they belong and they would be missed if they weren't there. I'd like to see a listing of churches 
according to how much their congregations help everybody outside the church feel loved and valued. I think that's what counts for God, to God. And that's why our journey together. Because we haven't got those, many of us don't have those relationships yet. But God wants us to have them. And for those of you who don't have them, hang with us, walk with us. God wants for us to spend however long it takes to accumulate that kind of faith, that kind of faith community. Last week, Pastor Matt talked, uh, uh, taught you a German word, sinsuk, means a lo the longing within for something else. I'd like to kind of piggyback on that and give you another vision. We don't just have a longing for something else. We have a longing for a particular thing for which we were made. And not many of you know what that is. But together we can find out. Together we can find out. Oh, we know it in part now. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. I can kind of see what God wants me to be. But then, let me stop here. Is the then only heaven? Is the then only when we die? No, I think in this life you can actually know why you were made like you were. What you have to contribute along with all the rest of us to have God's impact on this world. Then face to face. Now I know in part but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. What does it take to get to then? Go together. We go together. Not all of us will see the vision of the distributed church, which is exactly the vision I just gave you. That everyone has the personal faith network they need to fully realize the potential God has given them to impact this world. Remember last week or a couple weeks ago, I told you that the balance of power is shifting from nations to networks. In the religious world, the balance of power is shifting from institutional religion to actually relational faith networks. And that is the distributed church. We may not, I may not be with you all the way. You know? Old guys like me who are trained to think in categories, we can kind of see it in a mirror dimly. But this next generation who thrives on relationship, who can't not be in relationship, they will see this. And that's okay. It has a part in Hebrews chapter 39 and 40. 11, Hebrews 11, 39, 40 says, all these things, having gained approval through their faith, they're talking about the, 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 the spiritual leaders that came before, did not receive what was promised. 
because God had provided something better for us, the ones who were now writing, those in the future, so that apart from us, they would not be made complete, perfect. Hang in there together. I'm, I'm already running over. Uh, let me just stop here. Because uh, it's a long journey and you don't need all of this all at once. I'm just, I'm just kind of getting us up to the starting line. Many of you know this is a season <clears throat> that I watch Hallmark movies. Every, every, every new Hallmark movie comes out. I, you know, I just, I'm just addicted. They are totally formulaic. You know exactly where they're going at the beginning. Why do I watch? Because they all have happy endings. People think that isn't realistic. It may not be realistic so far for your life, but hang in with God long enough. Hang in together. That is his ending for us. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for these words that come from your word. We pray that you will help us journey together for years to come that we might have the relationships we need to be the people you made us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.